One of the very last things that uh, Jesus said right before He's taken up, He, he tells His disciples, like, I got to go, but uh, I, I want you to go, and I want you to take everything that I've taught you, and, and I want you to go <laughs> as many different places as you can, the, like the, the whole world. I want you to go, and I want you to tell them what I've taught you. I, wa- I want you to tell them who, who I've told you that I am. I want them to know that. I want you to go, and I want you to, to, to teach them, and I want you to, to baptize them, and I want you to do it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want you to go and do that, and truly, I will be with you to the very end of the age. The idea of Christmas God with us when we hear that is echoed throughout Scripture. It comes back up and up and again. It wasn't just a thematic device for that holy season that we would have that we would one day call Christmas and that Jesus said, oh, that'll work well. It is the whole nature of God that He would be with us. And as we go, that's who we go with, never alone, never abandoned never betrayed. Most of you have a story when those words come up. Most of you have a story that says, that has not always been my experience. And sometimes your story is personal related. You you got family members who were about betrayal and abandonment. And those are really, really hard to get past. Some of you have had friends who when things got a little tough, maybe they got really tough, abandoned you. It is so difficult to forget that. Maybe it was at work. Maybe, forgive us, maybe it was at church. And you have an experience that you cannot forget. Happened in a church. Happened with those people called Christians. Pastor, priest. And you felt abandoned. And you felt betrayed. And you're here and you're trying. I don't want that to be my story, but it has been. I don't want to be characterized by that time, but, but I can't forget. I want to tell you about the one who doesn't abandon and the one who doesn't betray. Again today, we're all, the rest of us, we're all human. <laughs> I fully qualify in dropping the ball, in mixing things up, and uh, betraying people, I, abandoning people. I'm sure that's part of my story as well, but I, I want to tell you the story about someone who's not like that. I want to be like him, and I'm not there yet. And I want to tell you about him because I want to point at him again because I believe that many of you want to be like him as well, even if you're not quite there yet. It's the direction we're going. It's the walk that we're on. We're on an earnest pursuit of Jesus. I want to tell you about Him.
today. So I want to jump back into Isaiah chapter 9. That's what we started with last week. Um, I want to take a peek back at the prophecy that we looked at that was written 700 years before Jesus came, before Jesus was born. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on His shoulders, and He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to tell you today about a mighty God. There's another prophet. His name is Jeremiah. He spoke about how mighty our God is. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. Ah! That's what it starts with. Ah! And that's like a Hebrew word. It means it symbolizes a groan, a painful groan. So it's not so much ah, discovery. It is ah, ouch, stop driving your car on my leg. All right? So to try and help you with that, I want to help you into Hebrew. All right? So try it with me. We're going to say ah. All right? Ah. Just a little bit more pain, if you please. Ah, all right, ah, sovereign Lord, the recognition hits. You made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and your powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So, based on this text, what is too hard for God? Nothing. What is beyond His power? Nothing. What problem of yours can God not handle? Nothing. We've said all this kind of stuff before. You've heard it before. But since this episode has to do with God and Him being mighty, I thought that it applied, and I thought that maybe we could apply it again in this way, and you could hear these words again. There is a Latin word. We're doing a lot of languages today. All. In the language, it's omni. It's from Latin. Omni means all, and omni means uh, some of the, the words that we use to describe God's character. So God is omniscient. God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. He knows everything. God knows it all. So, how much does God know? Everything. Yep, even that. The Bible tells us that He actually knows your thoughts. So, that means some of you are already in a little bit of trouble this morning because you've already started to think about lunch, and we won't talk about the other stuff you've been thinking about. Have you ever felt like you had the ability to know everything, like it was all clear for you at one time? Maybe, maybe you're going to be one of those next characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Mr. Know-Everything guy, right? You know it all. Sometimes that's what I feel like. I can't hold it for long, but sometimes that's me. It seems like everything is so clear. I'm so focused. I see how things come together. Ah, oh, yes. Then I realize again just really how naive I am. There's just so much that I don't know. There's so much that I don't understand, but I had a moment. But God understands God is aware of everything. God is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. He's all-present. He's present everywhere. That means that no matter where you are, God is there, never leaving, never abandoning. So just think right now of some of the friends that that we have that, that we are away from right now. Think about these places and who they represent. There's Thailand and Cambodia, and Indonesia. We have friends there. And in Muskoka, we have friends there in North York, and Guelph, and Peterborough, and um, Ottawa, and 
Calgary and California and Costa Rica and Kitchener and Whitby, those who were homesick today, those who were at work, uh, friends in Oshawa who are at work in, in Banff and in Vancouver and Port Dover and Uxbridge and Kenya and Tanzania and St. Catharines and Malawi and South Carolina and Ukraine and Innisfil. Wherever they are, we have these friends. Wherever they are and whenever they hear this, God is with them in the same way that He is with us right now. So, hey guys, all of our friends that uh, we miss from all these different places and spaces, we miss you. Merry Christmas. We're looking forward to seeing you come home soon, but we're glad to know that our God is everywhere. God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent, all-potent, very potent, really potent, mega potent, powerful, all-powerful. God can do anything, anything. And that is a lot of very different things for anyone to be able to do, really. The Bible is just full of stories. Our lives are full of stories and examples of signs and wonders, miracles that God has done. Nothing is too hard for God. He can do anything. But at the same time, even when I can say that and I can believe that, I can mean that from the depth of my being, I just don't always feel it. I don't always see it. And I look at this world, the big world, the great big global thing, and I look at my little world, my little interactions, and I know that they're both filled with pain and suffering and war and betrayal and abandonment and famine and AIDS and injustice and COVID. And it's all there. And I, I hear about other people's stories. I hear so many stories. And I think about my stories, and, 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 and I get upset sometimes. Maybe you do also. I want to say, hey, God, where is all that power that you're so famous for? Where is it? Why does it seem so hidden to me? I know people who have lost their jobs, and I know people who are dying of cancer. Some of them already have. I know people who have had miscarriages and stillbirths. I know people who have fallen out of apartment building windows not while I was preaching. I know a little boy who was run over by a car driven by an angry, apathetic woman. I know wives who have been cheated on by their husbands. I know husbands who have been cheated on by their wives. I know kids that get beaten up by their parents. I know a woman whose husband yells at her all the time, and he won't really let her ever go out for any length of time. I know people who have been shot I've had to fire people who were lying and stealing and who desperately needed the job. I know people who have gone home and found that their wife and their kids are gone and was, all that was left behind was a little short note. And these stories make me want to say, God, where is your power? And I pray, and I, and I pray, and I pray, and I pray, and still all the things that I pray for, that you pray for, they don't all happen. Do you ever feel like that? 
Like, am I the only one? Do you feel like that today? If God's so great, then why doesn't He show me right now? God's power is real. Jesus is fully God and His power is real. We don't always get to see it the way that we want, but that doesn't change His power. And even in the statement that I, that I made, do you hear the arrogance that I had in what I said in that statement? Who am I to demand anything of God? I mean, He's not obligated to me in any way except what He chooses, and yet I sometimes, I treat Him like He's a slacking employee. Pick it up here, God, all right? It's time for you to get to work, all right? We've got some things to take care of you and me. Just about time for you to start pulling your weight in this relationship. I mean, here I am. I'm at church. I did it. I got up. I prayed. So now you're supposed to do what I want. It doesn't work that way. It's not in our best interest for it to work that way, even if that's really the way that we want it to work. So here's a little bit of spiritual truth about God's power so that you'll be able to see it, how it is that He is at work. First one, Jesus' power is at work in you, right? So the Apostle Paul, he writes a letter to a church in the city of Philippi. What are the people who live in Philippi known as? They are the Philippians. That's right. They're not from the Philippines They're the people of Philippi, and they're known as Philippians. So this is the name of that book, the name of the letter um, that Paul wrote. One of my favorite books of the Bible. If if you've got to read something, go ahead and read Philippians. It's great. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So as we are introduced to Christianity, we hear things. It comes in, and, and, and that influences the way that we sing, see things, and that gives us kind of a confused message, like because we ask God to forgive us for what we have done wrong. It's about me. It's about what I get. It's what I need. It's what I benefit through. It will make my life easier. My problems will go away. I mean, heck, all you have to do is pray, right? Jesus is just that great problem vacuum, going to suck up all your problems. He takes them all away. And as soon as you become a Christian, just go straight down to the lottery booth and buy a ticket. And then when you get there, start praying for the right numbers. God only asks for 10%, right? So sweet. I'm at the lottery. He gives me the numbers. I'm going to be real good. 20% for you, God. I'll take care of the rest. Don't worry about that. God provides for me. God's power is not to make my life easy. God's power is to work in me. That's what the Bible teaches. God's power is to work in me, to change me, to take me from being a desperately selfish, habitually self-centered person and to transform me into someone who is Christ-like, someone who starts to look and smell like Jesus, filled with love and compassion and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and all the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. God's power is real. We just don't always see it the way that we want to see it because it's so often working inside us, 
changing us little by little from the inside out. Of course, maybe you don't see God's power at all, and you look around and you see, you know that girl or that woman whom everything seems to go right for. Ball always bounces for her. Maybe there's that other guy who's at work. He got the promotion, the one you wanted, the one that you were overlooked for. Maybe. Maybe because of who you are. Maybe because of what you've done. Feels like God has put you up and on the shelf. Doesn't want you around anymore. Nothing good seems to be happening for you, and you think, where is God's power in my life? I don't see it. The power of Jesus can be at work in you, changing you, if you let it. But wait, there's still more. Number two, Jesus' power is at work for you. Isaiah chapter 40, starting at verse 29, He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Verse 30, even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. The more, more language stuff, the youth here in Hebrew, it doesn't mean age so much as it means somebody like Olympic athlete, okay? The best of the best. That's who we were talking about. 31, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on the wings like eagles, and they will run, and they will not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This idea, this concept, this is integral to the living out of our faith, not to the description, not the thinking about it, but the living of it, as we live in constant, earnest pursuit of Jesus. So maybe this is the part that relates to you today. Because you are weary, you're worn out. Maybe you're watching or listening right now, and you need something to happen in you for you. Hoping against hope that, that, that just being around God's people would give you a little something to help you go on to face the rest of this week. God gives strength and power to the weary. He works for you. I got a truck story. Many of you know my truck story. Divided highway, winter, February 5th. I pulled out in front of a transport truck in a 1984 Toyota Tercel recycled beer can. Truck drove over me. Brand new, empty truck, jackknife, spat the car out, spin on down the road, never flipping over. First vehicle after the truck was a police car. Second vehicle after the truck was an ambulance. My mighty God worked for me. Saved my life. Saved my life for a reason. Gary James was the dean of men uh, that year when I was at Bible school. He's now a pastor up in Newmarket at Valley View Alliance Church. Pretty much every time he sees me, we get together, he says, Graham, you should have been dead. But I am here live and in person because my mighty God saved me. It was hard and it hurt. And I lost my memory and I had a severe concussion, but I'm not dead. And there's no lasting damage that anyone can prove. 
but there was lasting learning. I learned so much. Here's one of the things that I learned. Here's lessons from my book. Things I learned after being driven over by an 18-wheeler. Things that I'm learning and I continue to learn. Talk about refocusing, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 9. Each time, this is uh, in Paul's life, he's telling you uh, part of his story. He's told, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Verse 10, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Remember, we just talked about this just a moment ago. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For God is working in you, right? Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So, Check out the refocus that's happening here, okay? So He is growing in us the desire to do His will because most of us don't come pre-wired for that desire. So that we can be glad that in our weakness God is strong, He can make us strong even when we realize that on our own we are weak. Sweet. That's awesome. When, when our focus and goal is on pleasing God, then He will empower us to be and to do all that we need to do to accomplish that goal. So, do you hear the part that said, so the power of Christ can work through me? What does that mean? It ain't, it ain't laser fingers, Right? When, when I'm full of me, which is a lot of the time, I interfere with God working through me. His power works to change me so that His power can work for me. I heard a crazy story about a guy who was uh, solo that he wanted to commit suicide. Things had gone that wrong. And so he bought a gun and he wrapped a pillow around it so that people wouldn't be able to hear. He prayed for God's strength to kill himself. And then he pulled the trigger. But in wrapping the gun in the pillow, the pillow case got tangled up in the gun mechanism and it prevented the hammer from falling. In that moment, Realization like he'd never had it before. God loves me. God cares for me. God's presence spoke to him, was so real to him, and that changed his life in that moment. God told him, I love you, I have a plan for you. And it changed him. And that is true for you also. God loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. He has a plan for you. And that is why he sent Jesus to come, to be born. You know, our Christmas gift and then to die on the tree, the cross. Jesus' power is working in you to change you. It is working for you to make you strong. And number three, Jesus' power is at work through you, in you, for you, through you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You guys, 
are going to go telling people about me everywhere. You're going to, you know, start in Jerusalem right here, and then it's just going to grow. It's going to be the, the whole area of Judea, and all the way even to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you are a follower of the way, if you are a follower of Christ, then you are called to be a witness. You are called to tell the truth. And if you tell the truth and you share the truth, share the hope that God has given you, you will be empowered as you do it. The point of the power is to be a witness, not to be a rock star. We're going to focus more on this concept in February, what it means to have the power of God kind of outflow from you, how to be a witness, how to live as if we've been called to live, and how to make a difference in a broken and a hurting world. The one opportunity to do that, that we can all grab from any point, is through generosity, through your generosity in your time, through your generosity in your treasure, through your generosity in your talent. We believe that, you, that your faith and your trust in Jesus will grow. It will change the way you are inside if you learn how to give generously from what God has already generously gifted you with. Your time makes a difference. Your talents make a difference, and your treasure can make a dis- difference also. And if you would like to be involved in some way at Into One, I believe it's part of your calling to give generously in these ways. There's so many different ways that you can serve. There's so many different ways that you can serve even from a distance. So please talk to me. Talk to Sarah. Talk to any of our Steercom and let us know because we are better together. And I know you've got stuff going on. Everyone's got stuff going on. This can make a difference and change your life. It brings you closer to God. So let me know if you want to get in on this. We're called to be witnesses and to uncover, to unwrap the hope and the love that is transforming us, that Jesus works through us. We need to share that. And it might not always look pretty, right? In my first ministry, I got asked to do hospital visitation. I don't like hospitals. I get lost in hospitals. You know what? I didn't even know this person, all right? She didn't even go to our church. Come on, why me? She was friends with someone who did, so they said that was important enough for me to go, and so I tried to get out of it. Boldly drove past that hospital twice. Kind of hoped maybe I'll get hit by a bus and I won't have to go because I was scared and I was so nervous and I felt like I could never be what a true pastor is supposed to be. So this is me, all right? This is me in all of my lousy attitude Christianity, okay? What a role model I am. I finally went in. Right away, things didn't go well because it wasn't supposed to be there, obviously. The nurse said, you don't look like a pastor. So I needed to produce some sort of official ID. Prove it, buddy. Whip out your pastor card signed by Jesus so you're not getting in here. So I finally made it through the hospital maze, found the room, terrified to go in. Here we go. God in, and let me assure you, I was weak. And I said, God, I, I really want to do what's right. But I don't want to do what's right right now. I prayed before I'd gone in, took a deep breath, introduced myself, and we start talking. 
she was delighted. And so she invited her roommate to come on over and join us. Oh, lucky me. And then, and then another one from down the hall. And then a nurse came in to do some nurse work, and she stayed. And I was freaking out the whole time. I don't know any of these people. I'm barely holding it together. You have in your mind that pastors, there's somehow there's a moment that we're all at ease all the time and nothing's hard and nothing's a stretch. No way. We talk and I prayed for them and we laughed together because I like to laugh. I prayed for them and I left well aware of the power of God that was at work through me because I had nothing when I went in. He took all of my lamiosity and He gave me enough strength to keep going. And then He worked through me and He encouraged a bunch of folks and me at the same time. I have no idea how much value I really added to their lives, but I know clearly that they had been of value to me. Because of them, that day God worked in me and God worked for me, and God worked through me all at the exact same time. And I got to be there, and I got to be a part of the whole thing. I didn't have to read about it later, and I can't possibly describe what that feels like. But man, oh man, do I want you to know. I want you to have that experience as well. I want you to know that you need God. And then sense Him move in you, for you, and through you. Because it's amazing and it's fabulous, it's fantastic, and if I'm not careful, I'm going to break into tears yet again. Know your role. Be willing. Risk to be a, a witness, to tell the truth. And then God shows up. There was no lightning, but God moved that day. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. And my message and my preaching, they're very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Five, I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God, our mighty God, because I'm just an ordinary guy that's trying to love Jesus honestly, imperfectly, haltingly, but authentically. And maybe this is like you too. Just ordinary folk. But when the mighty Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us, we can do awesome things. Completely beyond our own selves. And that's the story of the entire book of Acts. It's what happens when ordinary, regular people, they get connected to a mighty God and they allow Him to move. When they agree to be witnesses, to tell the truth, to be honest, they changed the world and it's still changing. What could happen if we could get past ourselves and what makes us different? to get past our different church histories and, and, and our, our different ages and get past all the things that seem to separate us and we could get together with our mighty God and say, I am ready 
and I am willing, use me. What would happen if those of us who have not yet fully surrendered our lives to this mighty God did that? What would happen in our own lives that we would be there to see and experience for ourselves? What would happen in the world around us? (coughs) It could be changed. It could be transformed. It could be made new in you, for you, through you. What if you brought hope to just one other person? Do you have time for that? Could you make time for that this week? Is there something that you could do? Is there a pathway that you could see? Is there a door that could open where you could be honest, tell the truth, be a witness to declare the truth about God? I don't mean preach the sermon. I mean, well, you could preach a sermon. We can talk about that too. Uh, but that you could be honest and just reveal, this is what has happened in my life. This is what is happening in my life. And if you look in your life and you say, and there's nothing happening in my life, then we can talk about that too. What walls are you putting up that are slowing things down? What have you constantly said no to? And then after that, you say, I don't seem to be hearing from God anymore. I don't know why that is. What is it that you have been asked to do that you've said, I'm not going to do that? What area of of freedom and generosity do you have within your power that you have said no to? Time, treasure, talent. Are there any of those things? I want so much for you to have that experience tailored to you that you experience what it's like to know that you need God. You're not enough on your own. I can feel feel the lack. And then to go forward and to have God meet you in that time and He provides wisdom and understanding and, and insight and circumstances that allow you to see that God is working for you. And as He's working for you, you see that that's in me. You're doing something in me. I can sort of feel it even right now. And then you can watch as, it, as you interact with somebody else and it becomes through you. God Himself, our mighty God, works through you in this whole season of gift giving and unwrapping and the surprise and the mystery becomes real when the gift is you and you get unwrapped and, and you get revealed for who you really are. And in that vulnerability, you are open to the words of God speaking to you through you. You were caught in that moment. I want you to have it. I want you to know what it's like. But it will not be forced on you. You will always choose. So as you were thinking, we still got time to finish this shopping season. We got gifts that have to be given. I want you to think of what it is that you could do. Not just what you could buy, What gift could you give this year to someone you know? What gift could you give to God intentionally and say, I've withheld and now I'm going to release? What gift do you have within your capacity to unleash that might just open the door for you to see God at work in you, for you, through you? Can you find time this week for a little bit of hope 
for someone else. And you can pretend like you're the, the angel or the star on the top of the tree, that you get to shine for someone else, that you did it on purpose. I'm trying to help. I'm just trying to help. I just want you to experience the kindness that I've received. I want you to experience compassion like I've received. I want you to get a little bit of grace, a little bit of mercy like I've been given. There are plenty, plenty of people who need your little. This week, not sometime maybe in the new year, maybe the new year also, but this week, I want you to look for your opportunity. And maybe you're scared. Maybe you're going to have to drive past two or three times. Maybe you'll think that if I just got hit by a bus, I won't have to do it. You'll feel some of the butterflies inside. I don't know if I can do it. I don't talk like that. I'm not a spiritual guy. I'm not a spiritual girl. But you are loving, and you can be loving. And the gift that you give can unwrap so much for somebody else. What can you give this week? Watch for your chance. Watch for your opportunity to give hope. Kind Father, thank you for the gift that we have in Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your willingness, your desire, your fully on boredness to come and be part of this world, to walk in it and to get dirty in it and to get abused in it and to get betrayed in it and to get abandoned in it. You know what it's like to live here. Thank you for opening a way for us to go forward, to find peace, to find grace, to connect with you, and to make a difference in our world. As we go forward this week, I pray for my friends that you would give them creativity. I pray that you would give them that spiritual itch that is uncomfortable. I'm supposed to, but I don't want to. I want them to have that battle. I want them to be in the place where they have to make a good choice. Speak to them, I pray. Speak to me, I pray that we might look at each other next week and be able to say, I heard, I saw, I moved. It wasn't everything, but it was a start. One step in the right direction, followed by another step. And as we lean in, we find that we are in earnest pursuit of you again. Take us forward, I pray. Give us the courage to live boldly, lovingly this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.